Every year, without warning, natural disasters shatter our world. Thousands suffer as lives and property are lost. And we ask ourselves, how could this have been avoided? Is there something we're missing? The animal factor. My cats are acting very strangely. There are signals from the Earth before the earthquake. Biological processes, animals, seem to be sensitive to certain frequencies of uh, electromagnetic radiation. Maybe there is something deeper that we can learn from them as human beings. If we studied the way the animals react and how they react, we'd be in a better position to predict avalanches as well as earthquakes and tsunamis. But if we don't start with this research, then of course we'll never achieve an effective warning system. We've all heard about animals in this sixth sense. But is it more than just instinct that gives them a sense of danger? Beach, Thailand. A holiday video shot by tourists on a typically beautiful day. Everything is peaceful. Apart, that is, from the loud and disturbing noises made by a local inhabitant. The date was December 25th, 2004. One day before the killer wave struck. The morning of December 26th. People here have no idea that one of the most deadly tsunamis in history is about to strike with devastating force. Oblivious to the danger, they carry on with life as usual. But the animal kingdom is apprehensive and on high alert. Right behind Kaulak Lakeside Road is the number eight elephants camp. The usually affable, easy-going animals wait here to carry tourists on a round trip of the area. On this fateful morning, Elephant Mahout Kritsada Salangam had been leading a group of Japanese visitors. It started off as a regular tour. No one was ready for what happened next. We were going along the flat coastal road facing the ocean, but the elephant simply refused to carry on in that direction. It wanted to get off that road. That was the elephant's strong feeling. Meanwhile, back at the camp, two more elephants were waiting for their first tour. The other two elephants were tethered to the pole nearby. The elephant which the tourists were riding had been gone for about three minutes. Then suddenly these two elephants which were shackled kicked and broke their chains and ran away up the hill. I didn't know what was wrong at the time, so I just kept on going. We reached a tree and a bend in the road. At that point, the sea was behind us, 
and the elephant was very nervous, swaying its head from side to side, looking left and right. When the elephant came up here, it just ran amok. The Kowlak shoreline was completely destroyed by the tidal wave. More than 700 people were killed here alone. But thanks to the elephants, the tourists who happened to be riding on their backs were safe on high ground, up a hill some 1,000 meters away from the beach, and the mayhem. To this day, no one fully understands what the elephants were reacting to, but what we do know is that elephants have a keen sense of hearing, and that the soles of their feet are highly sensitive. Capable of detecting faraway vibrations. Elephants can feel vibrations. They can also hear sounds coming from those vibrations. I think it could feel the sensations from the approaching tidal wave. The tsunami claimed almost 300,000 human lives. Yet in all the parts of Thailand, Sri Lanka, and other areas destroyed by the tsunami, not a single animal that was free to move lost its life. Was it the approaching tidal wave they sensed, or did they feel the sea quake two hours before, with its epicenter hundreds of kilometers away in Indonesia? How did they do it? Is it simply instinct, or are there physical or even chemical stimuli they respond to? Phuket Island, South Thailand. The tsunami hit the island's western coast at 10 a.m. An earthquake had cracked open the seabed of Indonesia's Sumatra Island two hours before. But as early as 7 a.m., something out of the ordinary was happening on the roof of Phuket's Orchid Hotel. These are have uh, some the noisy from the dog from the rooftop. We put the dog there. They run around. I heard that, and then I sit here have an earthquake on the eight o'clock something. October 2005, tens of thousands of people die in Pakistan in yet another violent earthquake. There's massive destruction in the capital Islamabad and outlying areas. Later, there came reports that just before the quake, birds there had been crying loudly. Dogs had been seen running through the city, barking frantically. Wild pigs, which usually roam the city at night, at this time of the year. Had totally disappeared the night before. For centuries, there have been reports that animals behave in conspicuously strange ways before a quake. Days, sometimes even weeks before the event, the animals seem disturbed. On the 6th of May, 1976, an earthquake destroyed villages in the northern Italian province of Friuli. One of them was the birthplace of Helmut Tribuch, who grew up there as a member of the German-speaking minority. When he heard of the destruction of his home village, he hurried back to help. Residents described to him how animals had been behaving strangely just before the quake. 
They wondered if he could explain this to them, since he was a physicist. I was then confronted with and held the opinion that it was a psychological rather than a physiological phenomenon. That it was only in retrospect that people believed something had been happening with the animals. I set out to find what was behind it by interviewing as many residents as possible and collating many reports. I wanted to know whether it was just a psychological phenomenon or whether it had scientific relevance. Tribush shares his interests with geophysicist Kellen Wang. Born in China, Wang now lives in Canada and is the first Western-trained scientist to be given access to the official records of the most astonishing earthquake in history. Although skeptical at first, the evidence he found there has prompted a reversal in his opinion. Well, the, uh, the earthquake uh, uh, occurred in a place like this, as in the Liaoning province and uh, near um, the town of Haicheng. The 1975 Haicheng earthquake is the only quake ever successfully predicted. In China, from ancient times, it was common knowledge that animals behaved in unusual ways before a quake. The population was taught how to watch for telltale signs in animal behavior. It was clever. These fans were handed out to the people. On the fans are pictures which show what one should look out for. For example, if horses suddenly shy away for no apparent reason, if fish jump out of the water, if chickens fly onto trees, or if snakes unexpectedly come out of the ground. So we managed to, uh, to find uh, a logbook of an obs earthquake observatory, and they had uh, uh, re recorded many things a bit over a, a month before the earthquake. Uh, a few children and found a snake. It was uh, 1.25 meters long. You can read this. It was cold winter. It was uh, uh, in January. In northeast China, it was very cold. And it was so cold that uh, uh, actually during the earthquake, uh, more than 300 people died of uh, hypothermia, frozen to, to death because the, uh, the shelters could not resist the coldness. And in that coldness, hibernating snakes came out of their hibernation dens and also frogs and other things. The city's inhabitants were evacuated in time. 200,000 lives were saved. Observing animal behavior had been an important part of a scientific approach to predicting earthquakes. The Chinese authorities had regularly published pictures that were taken before earthquakes. Some of them were dramatic. For example, before the earthquake on the 16th of August 1976 in Songfang and Bingwu in the Sichuan province, rats were seen escaping to the top of telephone masts. They wanted to get away from the earth, escape as high up as they could. These were dramatic events. Or, for example, when rabbits fled onto the roofs of huts. 
or something else which was regularly observed, dogs becoming extremely aggressive. No one understood why. Tangshan in the summer of 1976. A massive earthquake has destroyed the city in northern China. This time, the authorities did not evacuate the inhabitants in time. The magnitude 7.8 quake was the most deadly of the 20th century. It claimed a quarter of a million human lives. Because it struck in the middle of the night, most of its victims were asleep. Many who laid injured in the rubble died before they could be rescued. Unlike Haicheng, there weren't any foreshocks in Tangshan. But many sources did report unusual animal behavior. Over and above this, seismologists registered uncommonly strong electromagnetic waves before the quake. I certainly believe there are signals from the Earth before the earthquake. And the animals do not have the sixth sense. They certainly sense geophysical signals. Looking at all the earthquakes and the early signs that preceded them, I noticed three main phenomena. One is unusual animal behavior. The other is the appearance of light glowing in the atmosphere. And the third is the development of fog. What all three phenomena have in common is that they all probably originate from some changes in the atmosphere. Based on the observation of these extraordinary occurrences, I concluded that my hypothesis is plausible, that some electrically charged carriers emanate from the Earth. To the south of Phuket Island is Tai Mai village. People have settled here only in recent years. For centuries before, they lived as sea gypsies, moving from island to island in search of a catch. Although they're now land-based, they still have an intimate knowledge of the sea. Much of what they know about the sea and its many creatures has been handed down to them by their forefathers. On the night before the Sumatran sea quake, people heard unusual noises in the village. It was quite unusual that our roosters did not crow at the usual time. It was strange for them to crow at 2 a.m. instead of dawn. Our ancestors say that if a rooster crows at the wrong time, it's not good. It's not natural. It's abnormal, and so it's a bad omen. This is the belief we've been handed down. It is what our grandfathers and grandmothers say. Like their ancestors before them, they still make their living from the sea. As Tai Mai village lies protected in a bay, the force of the tsunami was somewhat mitigated. Still, the village was not totally spared, and the people did feel its impact. Looking back, the villagers can now see how there'd been clues announcing the impending disaster. 
Before the tsunami came, the number of fish seemed very unnatural. There were a lot more fish than usual. Then after the tsunami, the number of fish dropped. Now they're only about half of what they used to be. Other fishermen in the area also reported that before the tsunami, unusually huge amounts of fish were caught. Throughout history, people have observed that much bigger quantities of fish are trapped close to the shore just before a quake. Something happening deep down in the ocean, some kind of unusual force, seems to disturb the fish and propel them upwards. San Francisco, long considered one of America's most attractive cities. But its seemingly idyllic location between the Pacific Ocean and the Sierra Nevada mountains could also be its downfall, literally. San Francisco sits right on the active San Andreas Fault, making it one of the most earthquake-prone cities in the world. In 1906, San Francisco was almost completely destroyed by a violent quake lasting 40 seconds. The magnitude 7.8 quake killed at least 700 people. No surprise then that the number of people reporting strange behavior in animals is increasing. And more often than not, it's cats which captured their attention. Shortly before, say three or four hours before we had a really major earthquake, he started to uh, run around. He got very agitated, talking at us. My, my young son was living with me at the time. And talking, I mean, meowing, uh, letting, you know, there's something that's going to happen. And I couldn't understand. And, and I remember my son saying, I think we're going to have an earthquake. And we really did. Renegade scientist James Birkeland has been privately predicting earthquakes for 30 years now. Mainstream scientists dismiss the idea that such predictions are possible. But Birkeland says all living beings can feel signals beforehand. We are electrical. Basically, we are electrical. And uh, when I see a flock of birds flying together and then suddenly changing direction without bumping into each other, like individual cells of a single body, how is that done? It's electrical. Berglund was once part of the scientific establishment, working for the state of California as a county geologist. However, after successfully predicting earthquakes, he was banished, and his research now places him well outside accepted practice. In 1989, an intense earthquake shook California. A few days earlier, Radio technicians on board a U.S. military submarine had recorded strong electromagnetic impulses, which could not be explained. They got these signals close to the coast, not far from Loma Prieta, the epicenter of the quake. People living in the area reported that many animals seemed highly agitated before the disaster. James Birkeland had already developed his own special system to predict earthquakes. With the, uh, the Loma Prieta quake, I had been monitoring daily for 10 years lost and found animals in the uh, Mercury News in San Jose. The animals normally were three or four missing cats. It suddenly went to 27. 
And the dogs, instead of being 15 or so, went to 58 or 57 at first. And then they dropped down a little bit, and then they peaked up again. The dogs went to 58, and the, the cats went back up to 16. But the 27 was an entirely different universe. Official scientific researchers generally disregard the study of non-geological pre-earthquake phenomena. People remember events like an earthquake, uh, and they say, oh, we had an earthquake. Oh, I remember my dog did something different. And they forget that, well, uh, six months ago, the dog did something else, but nothing happened, so it's not not remembered. So um, there's lots of issues like that. The animal factor. Now, I kind of discarded that. All my education said, oh, these multi-million dollar black boxes know a lot more than Mother Nature. We have to say that it's possible that there were electromagnetic fields. In fact, I've written a paper on the the subject of how this could be produced. But um, it now looks like that that result is really not going to stand the real scientific test. Um, It hasn't been reproduced. Uh, We've been much closer to many other earthquakes, bigger earthquakes, for which there have been no such signals. In the U.S., scientific research into earthquakes takes quite a different approach. Parkfield is a particularly active part of the San Andreas Fault. A magnitude 6 earthquake is expected here sometime in the next few years. Scientists are drilling deep into the center of the fault line and plan on placing instruments inside it for the first time. They hope this will help them better understand the mechanics of earthquakes and the physical and chemical processes of seismic activity. What they will not measure is the potential emergence of electromagnetic signals. The difficulty is that um, to uh, protect the hole, you have to put casing in the drill hole. Um, And the casing, of course, is made of steel. Um, And it makes it very difficult to measure magnetic fields within a steel casing. Uh, We discussed the possibility of actually measuring electric fields, uh, but again, we have to be outside the casing, and the casing is acting as a huge short that's shorting everything out. So at this point, it's not very clear that those sorts of measurements are going to be made in this particular borehole. When animals in Thailand reacted to the approaching tsunami, it was not just confined to those living on land. People also noticed dolphins behaving differently. The fishing village of Tabnoi on Thailand's west coast was completely wiped out by the tsunami. In the earlier part of the morning, before the tsunami hit, one of the fishermen was at sea. He was in a boat with his brother when suddenly a group of five dolphins appeared beside the boat. Dolphins swimming along with the boat is something we don't normally see around here. The way they were jumping right out of the water, thrashing the water with their tails and making unusually loud noises. That's something we've never seen in these waters. Usually you only see this behavior when dolphins are trained for shows. They were swimming along the right side of the boat for about five minutes. 
I didn't think anything of it until my brother said, you know, when they behave like this, there must be something wrong. Shortly afterwards, the tsunami struck. The boat capsized and the men were washed onto the shores of an island. They were lucky they survived. The city of Kobe in Japan. In 1995, the earth under this city shook intensely for 20 seconds. High-rise buildings collapsed, highways caved in, and more than 5,000 people died. At Kobe Harbor, a broken wall at the quay remains a solemn memorial to those who perished in the disaster. In neighboring Osaka, there is a science festival for children. In Japan, because of the frequency of earthquakes, even young children are familiar with the phenomenon. In recent years, just before a quake, there have been an increasing number of reports of interrupted television transmissions or of mobile phones ringing without anyone calling them. Before retiring, Motoji Ikea was a physics professor at Osaka University. Now he's trying to get children excited about the adventure of science. He demonstrates to these children how electromagnetic rays can trigger a battery-powered toy into action without their having to flick a switch. As far as Professor Ikea is concerned, many precursory phenomena have a single cause, strong, irregular electrical impulses. Animal behavior before earthquakes can be linked to electrical phenomena. It's possible that very strong electricity appears on the ground surface some two hours or even a week prior to the earthquake. A few hours before the disaster in Kobe, a dolphin was seen jumping out of its basin at the local zoo. Motoji Ikea believes that it was electrical signals that caused the animal to react. He's now headed to a dolphin research center at Maruto, on the island of Shikoku, where he's planning to conduct an experiment to confirm his theory that dolphins react to electromagnetic impulses transmitted through the water. Electromagnetic waves are generated when a rock is crushed underground at great pressure. But we do not know exactly why this electromagnetic wave is generated, how it is created, or the mechanics of it. Back in the United States, it is precisely this same mystery of electromagnetic signals that has another scientist intrigued. Yeah, this Friedemann Freud. German physicist Friedemann Freud works at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. Freud is doing his research both at NASA and at the University of San Jose in California. A discovery he made decades earlier still preoccupies him. Freund found that when the crystalline structure of certain rocks is destroyed, electrical current is generated. He's prepared an experiment to prove his hypothesis. Well, this piston is pressing down 
And you see here there is double electrical insulation between the piston and the rock. And when we press this in this volume between the piston, act charges will be activated. And then they flow out the positive holes. The holes flow out in this direction and the electrons flow out in the back direction. The test object is a piece of gabbro rock. The choice of rock is significant because it forms most of the Earth's crust at the depth of 10 okay. to 20 kilometers. Okay, now we are ready to go. Bit by bit, 10 tons of pressure is loaded on. But initially there was a very big spike. So there are these two currents flowing already now out of the rock. But when we now increase the speed, you will see that in these two meters at the bottom, these numbers, the positive number in the middle and the negative number at the bottom, both will go up as more and more current is going to flow out of the rocks. The tension in the lab is palpable. Freund and his assistants have their eyes glued to the meters. Then suddenly, the numbers on the meters jump. Electrical current has been released. The experiment is a success. Rocks are normally insulators. Now, when we squeeze a rock, we suddenly activate in this otherwise insulating rock a bunch of electronic charge carriers. And they spread out into the rock and to the surface. And at the surface, these electronic charge carriers generate enormous electric fields, fields of the order of a million volts per centimeter. And these local electric fields produce strange phenomena in the air, like they ionize the air. They can even cause corona discharges along the edges of the rock, and it is possible that animals are sensitive to some of these phenomena that we start to observe in the laboratory. Kaulak Harbor, Thailand. Before the tsunami, Kaulak was a popular tourist destination. Boats here would take visitors out to sea on diving expeditions. One of the boats was the Bubble Blue. On the morning of the 26th of December 2004, Something extraordinary happened within meters of the boat. More than 50 dolphins appeared unusually close. One of the tourists who had a video camera with him captured what was to him a remarkable sight. Also on board was dive instructor Christopher Cruz. In that event, I believe they were communicating with us. And they were playing and jumping in front of the, the boat as if they were trying to tell us, like, what are you doing here? This It's dangerous. Follow us. We'll bring you to safety. We were close to the island. The, the dolphins were taking us away into deeper water where we would be a lot safer. It is the first time I have ever seen dolphins do that. Normally, they just swim around like usual. In the face of it all, I believe that the dolphins were there because they were communicating with human beings to save us. So for me, it's a very, very profound experience just to be, to be there and to witness something like that. In Moroto, Japan, veterinary students regularly visit this Asabu University Dolphin Research Center. The focus of the research conducted here is the communication between dolphins and humans. 
Over time, the dolphins have become familiar with the students. The animals respond to the smallest signs by, for example, opening their blowholes. Veterinary professor Mitsuaki Ota heads the dolphin station and will be helping Dr. Ikea with his experiment. Animals can prove very useful in their relationships with human beings. One advantage is the animal's capacity to predict an earthquake when human beings are still unaware of it. I have been researching this seriously. In this experiment, the researcher's primary aim is to scientifically prove that dolphins do react to increased electrical activity in the water. The researchers simulate signals which occur in the water before an earthquake. Ota connects cables to two metal grills. Ikea intends passing tiny electrical impulses through the grills. There should not be any problem with the intensity Dr. Ikea is using. If there should be any effect that makes them uncomfortable, they will swim away immediately. So I believe there is no danger at all. They are not confined, and this area is big enough for them to swim away. The two grills are immersed in the water. They're placed at the edge of the smaller inner basin, at a distance of four meters apart. The electrical current that flows between them is minimal. Are the animals going to react to the electricity? If they do, it would be the first time that it's been proven that dolphins can sense the smallest of electrical impulses in water. When the electrical impulses are introduced into the water, the dolphins avoid the smaller basin. They swim along together side by side for an unusually long time. They have gone so far away. One of them is hiding under something. So I think the dolphin must be sensing something. She's telling us something, but uh, even a professor of dolphin cannot understand what he speaks. The next phase of the experiment is about to begin. The students prepare to feed the dolphins in the inner basin. Ikea is then going to introduce slightly stronger electrical impulses into the water.
Ota is on standby to monitor any change in the dolphin's behavior. The student who has his hands and feet in the water can't feel any of the tiny electrical signals. But what about the dolphins? They are not coming into the basin, even though they're being offered food there. If they're responding to it, it means they are very sensitive, maybe even more sensitive to electricity than sharks. And then the strangest thing happens. The dolphins are making intense noises, louder than the students have ever heard before. To Professor Ota, the experiment has produced some unequivocal results. There are one or two effects I can think of. Usually dolphins go into the basin without hesitation, but when the current was induced, they did not go in. This is one of the effects. The other effect was that dolphins usually communicate by making sounds through their breathing holes. Now they were making a lot of intensive sounds, much more than usual. So I believe these are the two obviously different and unusual behaviors. For many years, a British scientist has been examining natural phenomena that can't be explained by accepted scientific knowledge. Rupert Sheldrake's study focuses on the relationship between humans and animals. He also includes in his research the capacity of animals to sense earthquakes before they happen. Well, I, I think of the physical theories of earthquakes, the most plausible is the electrical theory. Um, the idea that there are electrical changes in the Earth's field before an earthquake occurs and that animals can somehow respond to this. Of all the different physical theories, this is the most plausible. But I doubt if it, in fact, explains the whole phenomenon. Um, I think there's more to it. The Pasnau Valley in Austria... A large avalanche which claimed 30 lives occurred here on 23rd February 1999. Then came reports about the eve of the avalanche, that the chamois came down in droves from the mountains and into the valleys. When alarmed, chamois usually climb higher, so this was unusual behavior for them. I collected these reports and then I had a research assistant in Switzerland who went round interviewing avalanche experts, local avalanche people um, in Austria, Switzerland and France. And I had many stories that suggested animals can indeed anticipate avalanches.
there's the evidence from animal behavior before earthquakes, avalanches, tsunamis, and man-made disasters and accidents, animals giving warnings of accidents, that may have an explanation in terms of physical causes. But I think the fact that these whole areas have been so taboo within science is because most scientists suspect they can't be explained in terms of physical causes. If it was just a matter of sensing vibrations before earthquakes, why would this be controversial? I mean, we all agree about vibrations. Seismologists can measure them. Um, I think that these are also part of a, a, a body of evidence that suggests there can be influences um, from the future. People who spend a lot of time with animals often talk about an inexplicable connection between them and humans. Animals can appear to have telepathic skills and are sometimes even able to sense the future. From a scientific standpoint, of course, such claims are viewed with robust skepticism. I find many of my colleagues respond by saying, if we don't understand it, if we haven't got a theory, we can't talk about it. That's very unscientific, because at one time no one understood gravitation, at one time no one understood electricity. If we never proceeded into areas we don't understand, we'd never find out anything new. Los Angeles lies only a few miles west of the San Andreas Fault. The threat from quakes is just as real here as it is in San Francisco. Many people here live in dread of the big one. While they wait, they have to live through the small and medium quakes that occur regularly. Maureen Hall has spent her life training animals for action in Hollywood movies and the circus. To train animals to this degree requires detailed knowledge of behavior modification and a thorough understanding of animal psychology and physiology. Do you want a nut? Working with them day in and day out, there's little she doesn't know about animals. In December, just the day before that tsunami hit, he was... Uh, very cranky. Uh, him and a companion parrot were both uh, just unusually cranky. It's like, you know, uh, stay away from me. We've got things to handle. We've got to take care of this. Uh, just stay out. Yeah, pretty out here today, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's a good day out here. Now, I don't believe I could have done this on the top of his head the day previous to the tsunami because he was just a little bit upset and a little bit nervous about it, and it was like, you know, just leave me alone. Marsha Adams is a biologist. Before she began studying pre-earthquake animal behavior, she worked in a number of hospitals. There, she observed unusual changes in some of the patient's biological processes and the hours or days leading up to earthquakes. For instance, there would be unusually high or low rates of bleeding during surgery or out-of-the-ordinary allergic reactions to drugs. She began monitoring this and made the link to electromagnetic waves. 
there are many hypotheses, many theories about how electromagnetic signals or long radio waves uh, influence biological processes. It probably happens at the cellular level, at the cell membrane level, um, but nobody knows for sure. There are uh, scientific organizations that are dedicated to studying the effects of uh, electricity on people. But uh, my guess is that it uh, that the Long radio waves cause hormonal changes, um, things like adrenaline. Everybody knows about adrenaline, the, the fight-or-flight response, and that uh, this influences mood and behavior in the animals. You know, I can't tell you that I can absolutely guarantee that this horse knew before that tsunami hit. Um, I don't know what else would set him off. He is extremely calm. And that is probably the only time that I have ever seen him was just before that tsunami hit. Uh, it's the only time that I have ever... Oh, if, if a real cute mare went down the street, <laughs> he would be running around all excited. But... Uh, Generally, with nothing going on, he would be just like this, but not that day. He was kind of running around and just extra alert, ears up, head up, you know, like what's going on. After I looked it up and thought about it, it was probably just about 24 hours before that hit. After two, three days, when I started putting it together with him and the parrots, then I started realizing there's something else going on here, and of course by then we all knew about the tsunami. Biological processes, animals, seem to be sensitive to certain frequencies of uh, electromagnetic radiation. And uh, these frequencies are capable of traveling around the world with very little what we call attenuation or decrease. So it's theoretically possible that some of these signals from a very, very large earthquake could reach the other side of the Earth and perhaps influence all the animals on Earth simultaneously, not just the ones in Los Angeles. The gibbons in Thailand's Kaolak National Park are familiar with human beings and like to come close to them. We noticed something interesting four or five days before the tsunami. In this area, there are many squirrels and gibbons. They're used to humans, and the gibbons would often come all the way down to the main office. But during these four or five days, right before the tsunami happened, the gibbons stopped coming. They just disappeared. I admit that I didn't pay much attention at the time, I didn't really notice. For the next couple of weeks, I was very busy with lots of cleanup work to do. But my staff reported to me that for about 15 days after the tsunami, the gibbons stayed away. But then they started to come back. So they're back now. But they're more careful. They won't come down to the ground anymore. They just stay safely up in the trees. Kaolak Beach still bears the scars left behind by the killer waves. 
But as the landscape slowly recovers, so do the people. With aid from around the world, the work of rebuilding is well underway, with houses and hotels being constructed, not only to provide shelter, but to revive the economic lifeline of tourism. People here say that beyond the havoc it wreaked, the tsunami taught them one important lesson: that animals are more sensitive to the signs of nature than they had ever realized, because they sensed the danger. And had people paid heed, perhaps more lives might have been saved. We are observing animals, and we are trying to understand how animals react and what it is they react to. Once we understand this, we can develop an early warning system. Still, mankind will take a while to get there. But we cannot simply rely on animals. We should analyze what animals are feeling, and then we should develop methods to measure and monitor their behavior. If large numbers of people were encouraged to look out for unusual animal behaviour, if they noticed unusual behaviour in pets or in wild animals,、um, if they rang a special earthquake hotline、um, or a tsunami hotline,、um, then the warnings, I think, could be、uh, brought together by a computer. If there was a surge of calls from a particular region, this could suggest that something was going to happen there. So I think with the internet and with telephones, it would be very easy to set up an animal-based warning system, at least on a research basis. I do know that there is a place in Job in the Bible where it says, "To get the answers, you go ask the beast." They have all the answers. We may not understand everything that happens just before a major earthquake, but we do know that if we were to listen to animals, perhaps we'd be one step closer to being prepared the next time disaster strikes. <laughs>